How many of you are ready for some word? I want you to get your Bible, open your Bible to the Gospel of Mark in chapter number six. And while you are finding the Gospel of Mark in chapter number six, I'll talk to you here just for a minute. Um, I wrote an Instagram post yesterday, uh, which as I get older, for some reason, um, I hate having to write. Instagram posts more, more and more. I tell God, I think I was born out of place and out of time sometimes. But um, anytime I do get on there, uh, I really do share what I mean. And uh, I shared yesterday, you know, as a son, when you have a good daddy, your daddy is your hero. And I told my dad, he's always been my hero. Uh, but he has over time, as I have come into manhood myself, become a standard and I want to say thank you for being a standard uh, for not just me, but so, for so many others, for so many men. And Quest Church, you don't just have a pastor, you have a standard here. Uh, and I want you to honor him for that. Um, one of the, we chatted yesterday, as we always do, and I'm, I'm good, uh, Gino. If you keep me right, right here, I'm going to linger too long. Thank you. Uh, but one of the things that we talked about yesterday is what I'd preach. And my dad shared with me where y'all have been. And, and I loved hearing uh, what he had to say about where you've been because he said, listen, we've just been preaching about what the Lord is going to do for us this year. Um, and then also thinking about my father and the many things that I admire about him. And, and, and one of the areas of standard I would consider him uh, would be this trait called courage. Everyone say that word with me, courage. courage. Amen. Just shout it real loud, courage. courage. I want to talk about courage uh, here this morning just for a few minutes. Can I do that? Uh, I'm going to preach a message this morning entitled, and I want you to look at your neighbor and just tell them these two words. Tell your neighbor, take courage. Just tell your neighbor, take courage. I know, I know it's a simple statement. I know that if you grew up in church at all, uh, that you've heard this, uh, and it probably sounds like a memory verse to you, but I want you to say to your neighbor again, just tell them, take courage, take courage. Um, and before we turn to Mark chapter number six, I want to preface it with the passage of scripture that I don't think it's necessary for you to turn to because most of you know it already, and that is the book of Romans in chapter number eight and verse number 28. And most of you in here can probably rehearse this, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In verse 29, Paul says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called, and those he called, he also justified, and those he justified, he also glorified. Uh, this is important for us to understand fundamentally uh, according to the doctrines of our faith. I want you to look at your neighbor again and tell them, take courage. Look at your neighbor and say, take courage. Now look at Mark chapter number 6 and verse number 45, and we'll read our text. Mark chapter number 6 and verse number 45. And this is... Of course, Mark writing, and Mark says immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. And after leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. And later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on the land, speaking of Jesus. In verse number 48, the scripture says that Jesus saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind gust was against them. And shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. And so they cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. And immediately he spoke to them and said, and of course, this is our, our text verse of scripture this morning. 
He said, take courage. I want you to say that with me again today. Just say, take courage. courage. Look at your neighbor and say, take courage. courage. This is what Jesus said to them. Take courage. And then he says, it is I. And then he says, don't be afraid. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Verse 51 says, then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down and they were completely amazed for they had not yet understood, I believe the King James Version says, considered about the miracle of the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. And I'll just ask you today before we get into this word, are you considering the right things while you are on your way through the direction that the Lord called you to? Are you considering the right things? Uh, because I've found that many times, many of us are headed in the right direction but we have our mind on the wrong matters. Look at your neighbor and ask your neighbor today, are you considering the right things? Even today, even today, as you approach the house of the Lord, as you approach this church service today, were you considering the right things? You can be at the right place at the right time, but you can have your mind on the wrong matters. Look at your neighbor again and ask them, are you considering, are you considering the right thing today? Is your mind in the right place? Is your mind in the right place? Now look at your neighbor again and tell them, take courage. Tell them, take courage. Take courage. Take courage. Join hands across this building. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. Father, I thank you that you are here to feed us, to talk to us. Father, I thank you that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from your throne room. And God, I believe that you are talking to us even here today i thank you that your spirit is here it's very evident it's very tangible and father we ask you to talk to us move us direct us do what you came to do today god we ask you to have your way can you just ask the lord just say have your way have your way in my life today father we thank you that you're going to have your way i move myself out of the way right now i ask your holy spirit to take over Say, do, and articulate everything that you came to do in this place today. In the mighty name of Jesus and by the power of his spirit. And everyone said amen and amen. Let's put our hands together for God's word one more time. Amen. High five someone and tell them, take courage. I promise the introduction was probably longer than the word today. Courage, courage. Tharseo. Tharseo is the Greek word, and it means to be of good cheer. It means to be of good cheer. Look at your neighbor and tell them, cheer up. Just tell them, cheer up, cheer up, cheer up. It comes from a Greek word. The root word is tharsos, which which means to have boldness, really a daring boldness. And that is, I know, what most of us would probably conceptualize courage to be in this place today. If most of us were to paint a picture of what courage is in our mind, I believe it would have something to do, chastity, with with having some kind of boldness or daring boldness. Confidence, to say the least. Confidence. Look at your neighbor and ask them, how confident are you today? How confident are you? Because I guarantee you that the confidence levels in this sanctuary vary even as we speak. And they vary uh, uh, concerning different matters and different things. Uh, But there are certainly some of us in here today that have more confidence in the government, let's use the government, than others of us have today. Our our confidence levels, I'm sure, would be different. Some of us uh, uh, would be more more confident concerning the economy than others of us in this place today. Uh, uh, But sadly, sadly, as believers, the same would be concerning our confidence in the Lord and what the Lord is going to do in our life. And concerning that subject, I want you to look at your neighbor and ask them, how confident are you today? This is important. This is important because if we understand God properly for who he is, Isaiah, this morning, it's good to see you, by the way. Uh, But if we want to understand God for who he truly is, 
then when we have the right confidence in him, uh, our confidence in everything else really doesn't matter anymore. When we have the right kind of confidence in him, it doesn't matter our confidence level concerning the government, our confidence level concerning the economy. When our confidence level is right with God and our understanding of God is correct, then we ought to have courage in this place today. Look at your neighbor and tell them, take courage. Tell them, take courage. Tell them, cheer up. Tell them, cheer up. Some of the versions of your Bible today interpret it, that saying, take courage, as to be of good cheer. Uh, some of you in some of your Bibles, Jesus looked at his disciples and said, be of good cheer. And look at your neighbor again and tell them, be of good cheer. Tell them, be of good cheer. Now, uh, 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 now let's jump right into this word because the very first verse that we read today is verse number 45 the Bible tells us immediately, immediately. Uh, this is in regards to uh, the miracle that we all know as the miracle of the fish and the loaves. One of the greatest miracles that Jesus performs. Uh, to tell you what happened, the disciples had come to Jesus and there was a group that had been following them for two days through a real deserted area. And his disciples told Jesus, if we don't send these guys home right now to eat, then they're going to faint along the way. They're not going to make it. And so Jesus asked what they had. Y'all know the story. And he brought, uh, 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 they, they brought him the loaves and, and the two fish. My son told me the story the other day. He said that there were 50,000 people there, uh, but it, it's all the same. There were 5,000 according to the Bible. I let him think there was 50. And Jesus told them, told the people to sit down in rows and, and, and sit down in sections. Uh, and, and I want to drop this on you today that when God begins to set you in order, then get ready because God is getting ready to do something that you've never seen him do. He's getting ready to provide in a way that you've never seen him provide. And he told them to, to arrange themselves in a certain kind of way. Look at your neighbor and tell them, be okay with the arrangement. Be okay with the arrangement because some of you are being called into a different arrangement of life right now. Some of you, you're having to change priorities. Some of you, you're having to change the way that you do things, but it's only for the better. It's because God is preparing you. Can somebody say amen, amen? Say God is preparing me. God's preparing me today. Well, Jesus goes on to perform this miracle where he blesses the bread and he begins to break it. And we know that there was enough to feed 5,000 men, not counting the women and the children. And, and then there were also 12 basketfuls left over, one for each one of them. And right in the middle of the disciples filling up their, their, their own baskets, Jesus tells them, I want y'all to go to the other side of the lake. Everyone say immediately. Everyone say immediately. Uh, and the Bible says of Jesus that he stayed there to make sure that everyone got on their way safe. Everyone say this immediately. Everyone say immediately. Listen, when, when, when God is finished doing something for you, that means God is about to send you in a certain kind of direction. Can somebody say amen? Everyone say immediately. Let's talk about miracles. Let's talk about miracles. And this is what the Lord shared with me, that miracles always precede movement. Everyone say that with me. Miracles always precede movement. Say it with me. Miracles always precede movement. Why is that important to me today, Pastor Dustin? Because some of you have been praying real hard for a miracle. But God knows that you're not ready to move. God knows that you're not ready to change. God knows that you're not ready to go through the process of becoming that he has in store for you. When you are ready to move, when you are ready to walk in the direction that God called you to walk in, I promise that's when you will see the miraculous hand of God go to work in your life. If you are ready for God to do something in you, then God say, God, make me ready. Say, God, make me ready. The miraculous is given to create momentum for your next move. So this is what I have to say concerning miracles. When you see a miracle, listen for instruction and look for direction. 
Too many of us want to bask in the glory of a miraculous thing that the Lord has done for us. And the funny thing about it is most of us need a miracle from the mess that we got ourselves in. And then when God comes and does the thing for us that we need him to do, then we're not ready to change to become what God preordained us to become. So when you see a miracle, it's because God is getting ready to send you in a certain direction. Look for direction. Look at somebody and tell them, look for direction and listen for instruction. A miracle never shows up to endorse your present status. A miracle never shows up to endorse your present status. The Lord never does anything miraculous for you uh, just to tell you remain the same. As a matter of fact, every miraculous thing that Jesus ever did, he told that person go, depart, walk. In other words, move on from this place and into the direction that I'm sending you. How many of you are ready for God to do something for you? Then let God use you. Let God direct you. Let God change you. Let God convict you. Let God instruct you. Can somebody say amen? amen. A miracle shows up to propel your next step, not to endorse your present status. In verse 46 in our next verse, the scripture says after leaving them, and let me say this, when God tells you to go a certain direction, go. Look at your neighbor and say Go. God doesn't need your help cleaning things up. God don't need your help explaining stuff to other people. Some of you have some relational dynamics that the Lord has been calling you to walk away from. And you feel like you need to stick around to explain and explain God and try to articulate what God told you to do. And Jesus doesn't need your help. Jesus knows how to clean up the areas that he has miraculously called you to leave. Can somebody say amen? <clears throat> Yes, I'm trying to stay calm. I'm going to see if I can make it one time through Quest Church without sweating. <laughs> this, when the Lord began to speak this to me, it really ministered to me, and I pray that it does to you as well. <clears throat> because I realize, um, as I have so many times in my life, and I feel like I understand it a little bit better now, is that our relationship dynamic with the Lord, it changes over time. It changes. Can we be, all be honest in here? The, the dynamic, the relational dynamic that you have with the Lord right now is probably not the one that you had when you first got saved and when you first believed. And some of you have gone through things in your life uh, that have caused you uh, to grow to, to grow what you would maybe consider a stronger dynamic uh, uh, where where there are some of you in here right now that, that you're going through a different kind of dynamic where, where faith where where the faith is strained just a little bit more uh, and, and this part of this message is for you um, because in verse number 46 Mark says after leaving them that he went up on a mountainside to pray and later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on the land. Can I say this to you, that there are seasons that we go through in our life where God has to remind us that he is God, and he is God all alone, and he is God all by himself? Some of you right now are wondering, what happened with my relationship with the Lord? Why? Am I having to fight for my relationship with the Lord and fight to maintain my relationship with the Lord and fight to maintain and strain for certain dynamics? Why am I having to do that right now? It's because the Lord may be trying to show you that he is God and God all by himself. In other words, God is something that, that you ain't never going to fully be able to comprehend. Every time you think you have God figured out, I promise you, he's going to grow bigger. He's going to move in a different direction. He's going to grow stronger. He's going to create a scenario that's going to challenge you to have to see him for the God all by himself that he is. As a matter of fact, some of you need to give God praise that you're having to go through a trying season in your faith right now. Let God work on you. Let God be God all by himself. I call these seasons... The late hour of the night. This is the late hour of the night. And I asked my church 
Is it a late hour of the night for you? And I ask you the same. Is it a late night hour for you? If it is, take courage. Be of good cheer. Look at your neighbor and tell him, take courage. It might be a late night hour for your neighbor right now. It might be a late night hour for someone on your row. But look at him and tell him, take courage. No one felt these dynamics like David. I picked a few of his psalms. In the 22nd psalm, in the 12th verse, David prayed, do not stay so far away from me. He said, for trouble is near and no one else can help me. My enemies surround me like a herd of bulls. Fierce bulls of Bashan have hemmed me in. In other words, what David was saying is I feel like I'm in the middle of something. And the Bible says in our text in Mark chapter number 6 that while he was up on the mountainside that the disciples were in the middle of the lake. And there are some of you here today that feel like you're in the middle of something. You are surrounded by something that you're not going to be able to get out of. And I came to encourage you today and tell you to take courage because God is with you. Look at somebody and tell them, take courage. David wrote in Psalm 27 and verse 3, Though a mighty army surround me, my heart will not be afraid. Though a mighty army surround me, my heart will not be afraid. What is it surrounding you today? The question is to your heart, not to your head. Can you have courage today? Can you maintain your praise today? Can you maintain your confidence in him today? You know that you are in a late night hour when you find yourself looking up. And that's the position that many of us find ourselves in today. The Bible says that he went up on a mountainside. It's painting a picture to us. That sometimes God forces us into a position where we realize that we are beneath him. Let me reword that. Where we realize that we are under him. Because some of us sometimes forget that we are under him. Look at your neighbor and ask them, do you know how to stay under? See, there are times when we feel that he's close like a friend. Let me help you in this place. If today you feel like he was sitting on your couch with you last night. And watching TV with you and you rolled over and he was laying in the bed next to you this morning and helped you pick out your clothes for church today. It's probably a daytime season for you. But there are others of us that don't feel that dynamic right now. We don't feel like he was sitting on the couch next to us last night and we're having a hard time feeling him sitting on the chair right next to us right now here in church. These are seasons when the Lord has us in a late night hour to remind us to look up. Look at your neighbor and tell them, look up. Look up, look up. There are seasons when we are forced to seek him in his sovereignty. There are seasons when we are forced to seek him in his sovereignty. What does that mean, Pastor Dustin? That means you maintain your walk with him even when things make no sense. Because God is sovereign. Look at your neighbor and ask them, how sovereign is he to you? If you were complaining to God, trying to get God to understand your perspective so it could make sense to him, he probably was not that sovereign to you this morning. But if you woke up this morning and said, Lord, I don't care what's going on. It don't have to make sense to me, God, because my faith is in you. My trust is in you. The, the, these circumstances are not going to steal my praise. Then you probably have God in a sovereign position. Look at someone and ask them, how sovereign is he to you? When he's sovereign, he's in complete control. He's in complete control. This is why the New Testament writers wrote us so much concerning our temperament. There are so many things concerning our attitude and our temperament that Paul wrote to us about, that the Apostle Peter wrote to us about, especially the Apostle Peter. He really checked us on the way that we handled each other. And many times our temperament is off. Because we have God mispositioned. And I want to encourage you to let God be sovereign today so that the burden can be easy today. Can somebody say amen? amen. Take courage. Take courage. It's during the dark of the night that we are reminded that God is God alone. And he alone is sovereign. In Psalm 121, David said, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? He said, my help comes from the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. Y'all know it. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not let you slumber. 
Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. We go through dark seasons to remind us to stay under. Look at your neighbor and tell them, stay under. Psalm 91 said, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. If you're saying, I'm full of anxiety today. Are you under? Are you under? I can't sleep, Pastor D. I, I can't get no sleep at night. I'm worried. Are you under? Are you under? I'm not saying that you're not, but I'm certainly saying make sure that you are. I'm certainly saying go check yourself and, and check every context of your life and ask yourself, do you truly have faith in the Lord? Total and complete confidence in him. Whoever dwells, whoever lives there in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. David said, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Amen. Shout, I'm under. Just shout it. I'm under. I'm under. I'm under. In verse number 48, the scripture says that Jesus saw the disciples straining at the oars. He saw the disciples straining at the oars. Look at your neighbor and tell him, take courage. Tell them he sees you. He sees you. Can I remind you that God sees you today? Let me ask you again. Can I remind you that God sees you today? Some of us forget that. I forget that sometimes. I forget that God sees me. And I want to remind you if you forgot today, God sees you. He sees it all. David continued in that 121st Psalm. And he said, the Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by nay, the, 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 nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come, come and go both now and forever. The Lord sees you. The Lord sees everything. The Lord told Jacob in Genesis chapter 28, he said, I am with you. And we'll watch over you wherever you go. And I'll bring you back to this land. And I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. I came into Quest Church today to encourage someone and remind you that God is with you. And he has watched over you wherever you go. And will continue to watch over you wherever you go. And he will bring you back to the place that he promised you. And he will never leave you until he's done what he's promised you. If you're wondering how far will he watch me? How long will he watch me? How, how much will he watch me? God will watch you and watch you and watch you until he sees his promise completely fulfilled in your life. That's important to someone today because some of you feel so far away from his promise. And some of you feel so far away from him. Some of you think that you have decided your way up out of his sight. And I want to remind you that that is impossible. There is no place that you can run. There is no distance that you can go to that God is not watching you until his promise is fulfilled in your life. Things are working out for you. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope is in his steadfast love. This is the 33rd Psalm in the 18th verse. Not only does the Lord see you, uh, but more importantly, the Lord sees what others can't see. The Lord sees like others don't see. The Lord sees different. Y'all remember in 1 Samuel chapter number 16, the Lord said, to Samuel, when the Lord had told Samuel, I'm done with Saul, he said, don't look on the appearance or on the height of his stature. He says, because I have rejected him. He says, for the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Let me say it to you. The Lord sees not as man sees. The Lord sees different. It's not so much as the Lord watching me go to work. Like everybody else is watching me go to work that some of you are wondering today. It's not so much as the Lord watching me come to church. The bigger question is, is the Lord really seeing me for who I know I really am? Because people will misperceive you. 
People will paint pictures about you that aren't true. People, people will paint a perception of you that, that, that is false. But I want to remind you that the Lord don't buy into all that. The Lord don't buy into the false picture. The Lord does not care what kind of misperception has been painted about you. The Lord doesn't care how everyone else sees you. The Lord doesn't care what everyone else has to say about you. The Lord doesn't care about everybody else's opinion of you. What the Lord cares about is is how he sees you and how he sees you is for who you truly are and some of you in this place know that deep down inside I'm different than the perception that I've even painted about myself and the Lord came to to, to Oklahoma City to remind you that the Lord is going to recreate that perception for you in Jesus name in Jesus name the Lord sees what others can't see the last question that I have for you today is out of the next verse of Scripture. That It's actually the same verse of Scripture, but the part we didn't finish, and that is he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. He saw the disciples straining at the oars. First of all, this encourages me because it reminds me that the Lord sees us even in our most difficult struggles. It's just a reminder that even in our darkest hour, when we're struggling the most, I, I could almost say that that's when God is watching us the closest. He saw his disciples straining at the oars. This is the thing that stood out to him. He saw them straining at the oars. What? Does God see when he looks at you today? Can you handle the struggle? That's my question for you. Can you handle the struggle? There's a million different ways I really want to ask the same question. How do you handle the struggle? How can you handle it? What is it that you do? What's your reaction to the struggle? I'll ask it like this. How, how well do you handle the strain? How well do you handle the strain? I love that the obvious is there, the thing that we almost don't even need to talk about. And that is that the disciples are straining together. They're straining together. It says that he saw the disciples straining and they were straining against the wind that was contrary to them. They were straining together against the wind that was contrary to them. Look at your neighbor and ask them, can you strain with me? Can you strain with me? Look at, look at them and ask them, can you struggle with me? Can you struggle with me? Be, be, because too, too many of us in the body of Christ, uh, uh, we're, we're just surface friends and we have surface relationships and we act like everything's okay when everything's okay. But as soon as anything contrary hits us collectively as a unit, as a group of people that God deposited in one place, in one container and said, I want you as a group of people to go that way. How do we react when contrary winds hit us because the Bible certainly doesn't say that the disciples were complaining against each other it doesn't say they were struggling with each other it doesn't say that Peter reached over and kicked James in the head and tried to flip him out the boat and John was over here trying to hide from Simon and they was yelling and cussing at each other and asking each other why are you rowing like that the Bible paints a clear picture that they were straining together I would like to think that they were closer than they had ever been right here in the middle of this storm. There was something about them collectively that was galvanized. And I want to tell you, Quest Church, that you have hit some contrary winds before. There have been things come against you, but the Lord has only been galvanizing you. I pray that your love for your brother grow even stronger for this day. I speak forgiveness. I speak grace. I speak speak love I speak softness I speak understanding up in this house because the Lord told you that you're going a certain direction and the Lord is not going to stop seeing you through until you get to the other side until you get exactly to where he told you that you're going to go some of you your homes are falling apart some of
above you, some, some, some world around you is falling apart because you have decided to struggle against something that God has called you to work with. The Lord said to struggle against contrary winds. Struggle against contrary winds in Jesus' name. He saw them straining at the oars. Here's some things that I wrote down and gave to my church. Thank you, Gino. That felt good to preach a little bit. And I still ain't sweat yet. How about that? <laughs> Y'all got the AC right. God got the AC right this week. <laughs> God never directs a path that does not contain a struggle. God never directs a path that does not contain a struggle. God never said it would be easy. He never said it would be easy. God never directs a path that does not contain a struggle. The word straining in the King James Version here, it's toiling. And the Greek word means to torture, to pain to toil, to torment, to toss, to vex. These are all psychological terms. In other words, if some of you feel like, man, I've been going through the ringer, not just since I started serving the Lord, but since I felt like I said a yes to him concerning a certain direction that I was certain that he sent me. I know there are some of you in this place that are feeling that way right now. I'm certain about the direction he sent me. I'm certain about what he said to me. So I don't understand why the psychological vexing and toiling that I'm going through right now. Look at your neighbor and tell them, cheer up. Tell them, cheer up. I want to remind you that the same Jesus that was dealing with these disciples is the same Jesus that was just on the mountainside. And I had to remind my church a couple of weeks ago that I still serve a Jesus that can do for you in a moment's time. What, six months of counseling? What, 12 months of this and 12 steps to that? And take this and swallow this and meditate on this and read this. And I thank God for all of it because I understand the benefit of the hour that we live in. But it does not replace the God that is God alone. And God all by himself. And when you approach his presence and when you approach his house and when you approach his time, then approach it with an understanding that God can do something for me today. Then everything else that I've been trying to do for myself, it can't do accumulatively what God can do for me in a moment's time. As a matter of fact, I want to give you just a moment's time to forget about everything else. And say, God, do in me and God, do for me exactly what is needed. Just tell the Lord that. Can you tell the Lord that? They were straining. It, it means properly to be tested. It, it's literally how metals were tested by the touchstone. To test your metal. Some of you, the Lord is testing your metal today. He's testing your metal. Oftentimes... God will send us on our way in order to test us, to see what we're made of. It's not because God needs to know what we're made of. That's why I wrote, wrote uh, read to you, excuse me, Romans chapter number 8 and verse number 28 and then verse number 29 and then verse number 30 to remind you that God already knew all this about you. As a matter of fact, some of you need to be reminded that God knew you'd be sitting right here, right now. At this very moment, right here in time. So that God could deal with you and get a hold of you and remind you that you need to have courage today. God is testing some of our medals, not because he needs to know. But many of us need to know. Some of you have been doubting yourself too much. Some of you have been questioning yourself as it pertains to is God doing for me in my life and is my life playing out in his purpose the way that it's supposed to be am I in the right place am I okay 
Am I all right with him? I came in here to tell you to take courage. Look at your neighbor and tell him, take courage. Tell him, yes, you are okay. Tell him, yes, you're okay. Tell him you're okay with God and God is okay with you. If you are aware of what Pastor D's preaching about right now, can somebody say amen? What are you made of? You see, I realized at some point in my life here recently that although I'm not perfect, I'm made of something. I'm made of something. I watched my dad spend all these years showing himself to be made of so much. Strength, courage, bounce back, grace. And for those of you that don't know how gracious and graceful of a pastor that you have, I have to say it publicly. You have a very, very graceful man at the helm here at Quest Church. And God, I... We thank you for that. And I realize now after going through some things that I'm not made of what I used to think I was made of. I realize that I'm made of the real thing. And many times God will allow you to go through some things so that you can go home and look in the mirror and say, you know what? You know what, Maverick? You are the real deal. Can somebody say amen? amen? Some of you older folks in here, he's saying the same thing too. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, take courage. Can you continue when everything seems as it's coming against you? Can you continue when everything seems as it's coming against you? Can you continue? And this was a big one for me. This was a big one that the Lord dropped on me. And this is when I realized that, man, the Lord truly, truly is with us, Maverick. Is can you continue when it seems <clears throat> like no progress is being made? With the winds contrary to them, the picture that's being painted here, Dad, you know, is that they were straining but not really getting anywhere. They were stuck in the middle of the lake. Some of you in this place this morning are, are wondering, is it worth it? Because I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. I don't feel like the changes that I've made uh, in regards to Quest Church are getting me anywhere. I don't feel like the practicalities of what I'm doing in my walk with the Lord are getting me anywhere. Can I encourage you and remind you today that God is God all by himself? That God is sometimes alone on the mountainside? And that many times God is watching to see how we strain. If you think that God is not watching you in moments when you're doing something over and over, but you feel like you're getting nowhere, then you are fooling yourself because that is the moment that God is watching you more close than ever. Look at someone and take courage. Say, take courage. Because if you know how to struggle right, if you know how to handle the strain properly, Look at your neighbor and tell them daybreak is coming. Tell them daybreak is coming. And, and you can, and you can uh, uh, get with me right here, Gino. As a matter of fact, you can just ease on, on into something real pleasant. Um, because I'm going to wrap up here. Because the Bible says here that shortly before dawn, at the end of verse number 48 of Mark chapter number 6, that sh shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. When did he come? Right before daybreak. Right before daybreak. The Lord is about to show up for some of you during this season. And the reason that he's showing up in your life right back in a tangible way again. I believe that the presence of the Lord has been uh, in this house. And, and you guys have been experiencing the dynamic that you have been experiencing here at Quest Church and in your homes because the Lord is telling you and giving you a sign that day is about to break. Look at your neighbor and tell him day is about to break. He said, take courage. It is I. It is I. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And we can all stand in this place. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. He said, take courage. It is I. Look at your neighbor again and tell them, take courage. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Why did he have to say this? To them, You know, the Bible didn't say that Jesus uh, turned into a walking sea monster, Jamie, and eased out on the lake. The Bible doesn't say that Jesus turned into Superman and, and put on a cape and flew by the boat. 
The Bible says that he just walked out there on water. And the reason I say that is because nothing about his appearance uh, was described as any different. Jesus didn't do anything to present himself any differently. He just did something that he didn't, that, that he's never done before. That's number one. Uh, uh, and he did something, and this is uh, uh, pertaining to you, that, that I'm sure, I'm certain, I, I, I'm certain without a doubt, no doubt about it, that there was no way, no way, no how. There's no way. There's no zero possibilities. What are the possibilities, Pastor Dustin? Zero that any of them disciples in that boat could have told you before this moment right here happened that this is what was about to happen. None of them disciples in that boat would have been saying, now listen here, we're going to be right here in this part of the lake. We're going to be straining like this. And I guarantee you, here's what's going to happen, Joe. Jesus, he's going to come walking out on that water. <laughs> Not one of them disciples could have ever imagined that. What does that mean? That Jesus did something that none of them could have ever expected. If you're in a place in your life right now where you feel like I'm straining right now, I'm struggling. I don't feel like any progress is being made. I want you of all people to have courage in this place today. And I want to remind you that day is about to break because the Lord said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And always right at the right time, he shows up. But he always shows up in a way that sometimes I should say sometimes shows up in a way that will cause us to see him differently. And some of you need to get comfortable this morning with seeing God differently. It's scary to think that God can show up at certain times. In certain moments in our life, you know, it's the scariest moments. Um, I, I got so many stories I could tell, but, you know, I think uh, a couple days ago being on that horse. And I know it's just a thumb to y'all, but <laughs> what to me and a thumb and a finger means, man, my whole, my whole life with my little boy is about to change here. And. I was just sitting there as we were rodeoing. I say rodeoing because it was a little bit chaotic out there for a minute until my dad showed up. And there's so much this morning I wanted to share about what I feel that the Lord was trying to show me about himself and about my father in that moment's time. And I thought, what a standard, what a man. Uh, who, who knew exactly how to come in to a moment, walk over there, knew exactly what to say, knew exactly what to do. Um, I thought, wow, what a father I have. What a father. And I thank you, Dad. And I thought, man, what, what sons he's raised. Because I watched my brother Josh out there trying to get a hold of that rope <laughs> while that stupid cow was bucking around and going crazy. So he could cut that rope and, and try to get me cut loose. And uh, the Lord just started showing me this is the kind of sons that your father's raised. The kind of sons that ain't worried about nothing else. They just, they just want to know how they can jump in and help and cut somebody loose. This is the kind of people that your bishop's trying to raise. What kind of church is he trying to create right here? The kind of church of people that just know how to jump off their horse and go help somebody else. How to use your knife for what it's made for and not for something else. How to cut things loose. Can I preach? Can I prophesy up in here? This is, this is what Bishop's trying to create in this house. And some of us need to stop straining against the process. Well, how do you know? Because he already made one down in San Antonio. I have the wonderful privilege of pastor in that place now. And Place for Life is the easiest church in the world to pastor. I have the best job in the world as a pastor, I promise you. But I wouldn't have that job if it wasn't for what my father created, the culture that was created in that house that came from this man. And I want to encourage you, Quest Church, to continue to be pliable to what God is doing through our bishop in this house. Because God is making you a real people, an authentic people. Look at your neighbor and tell him you're the real deal. Tell him you're the real deal. 
Yeah, that's why he's been letting you walk through certain things he's been letting you walk through. I know it's been a little bit confusing, but I want to ask you like I started. Have you been, have you been considering the right things along the way? Have you had your mind on the right things? Many of us miss what could be real easy to catch because we weren't thinking about the right things along the way. I want to encourage you as we leave here today to not just be encouraged. Look at your neighbor and tell them, take courage. Tell them, take courage. What does that mean? Leave here happier today. Leave here lighter today. Leave here encouraged, knowing that the Lord has you taken care of. Be confident in him today. Can somebody say amen? How do, how do I know if I'm more confident today? You'll be nicer to the waitress at the restaurant today. You won't complain that she, that, that, that she did bring the salt exactly like you needed it brought. You won't, no. Instead, you'll realize that she's probably hurting out there in this world and needs somebody to come along and be a Jesus to her at this table right here. That's how you know your confidence is in the... How do I know my confidence is right in the Lord? Some of you are going to change your mind about what you've been worrying about when you leave this place today. So you've been worried about some petty stuff, stuff that don't matter. And the Lord, all he's been trying to show you is get your mind on the right matters. Can somebody say amen? Look at your neighbor and tell him, be of good cheer today. Take courage. Take courage. He ain't missed nothing. He hasn't missed a thing. There hasn't been anything transpired. Nothing's happened that he didn't see. He sees it all. And he sees it all like nobody else sees it. As a matter of fact, he sees it way better than you see it. I promise. He sees it way better than I do. And I thank God for it. As my dad said, and I'll close with this, that, that Mr. J.C., Brother J.C. Watts said to him, one of them old sayings his daddy told him a long time ago, and that is, uh, he said, God, I want to remind you, J.C., that, that we can see down there to that corner, but God, he can see around the corner. And, and I thought, man, that couldn't have been a more fitting line for me to pull up to Oklahoma City and here because that's exactly what I came to preach to you today. Amen. Look at your neighbor again and tell them, take courage. Lift those hands towards heaven. Father, I speak courage. I speak joy. I speak happiness. I speak love. I speak grace. I speak understanding into this place and into these, your people, my brothers and my sisters. Father, I pray that they walk out of this place more encouraged today and that they may be able to be more like you, that they may be able to be more like your son, that we may be able to be more like him, who was the way he was because of the confidence he had in you as our father. And Father, we have that kind of confidence in you and in your son today. And so, Father, we leave here encouraged today. I speak that encouragement. I bind any bit of fear, anxiety, Father, anything that is contrary to what you are doing and what you are saying in this hour. Father, I thank you that this house will continue to grow stronger together. We'll continue to head in the direction that you have called it to. And I thank you that this house will come into every promise that you have promised, not just to this house, but for every family and every house that's represented in this house. Father, I thank you that you're going to keep to your promises this year. And we give you thanks and praise for that. In Jesus' name. And the church said amen and amen. Let's put our hands together, Quest Church.